0: Welcome to the ACO Show. In this episode, Joe and Josh talk to Brady Richards, who shares his experiences from a career of developing software that helps physicians with every aspect of their practices. He started out as a junior engineer 18 years ago, working on medical billing, and today is Chief Technology Officer at Allidade, leading a team of engineers and helping physicians across the country to transition from fee-for-service medicine to value-based care and population health. He also shares his thoughts on building and working with a nationally dispersed tech team.
1: We are delighted today to be joined by Brady Richards. Brady is the Executive Vice President and Chief Technology Officer of Allidade. Joined the company in October 2018. Welcome. It's good to be here. So why don't we start with just your background? Uh, You did your education in computer science. How did you end up taking that into the healthcare field?
2: Well, uh, mostly by accident. When I graduated from college was the middle of the dot-com bust. So technology jobs had sort of dried up, and I knew a few former uh, classmates who had started working at a company called Athena Health, which was quite small at that time. Um, And so I uh, went for an interview with them and ended up uh, working at Athena Health, starting as a very, very junior engineer. Um, And when I left about 16 years later, I was running the engineering team, which had grown at that point to around 400 people.
1: So you were at Athena for a while. What did you work on there?
2: Uh, I worked on a lot of things. So Athena's basic idea, its core concept, was actually somewhat similar to Allidates in a lot of ways. So what Athena was trying to sell essentially was an under-control medical office. And in the late 90s, early 2000s, the core problem that most uh, medical offices had was simply understanding what uh, payment rules applied, and figuring out how to actually get paid for the services that they were providing. Um, so Athena's first uh, product was, or attempt to solve that problem was, um, a product to help practices get their finances under control, which was called Athena Collector. So I spent a lot of my early days at Athena just working on that product. By the time that we felt like that product was relatively mature, um there was sort of a new problem that providers were facing, which was that um, the government had offered relatively large incentives to meaningfully use an EHR. um, And so not doing that was leaving quite a bit of money on the table. But figuring out how to do that was pretty complicated. A lot of doctors were still uh, documenting encounters on paper and really did not know how to make this jump. And so Athena decided that that was a good time to try and get the clinical cycle under control in the same way that we had tried to get the um, the financial cycle under control. So uh, I spent a lot of time working on Athena's uh, EHR offering. That's actually in some ways how I ended up here at Allidate because Edwin Miller was the product manager of uh, the Athena clinicals EHR and is now the chief product officer here at Allidade. Um, When I end uh, about the time that I was finishing up my stint uh, leading the engineering team that built the clinicals product, That was about when I sort of took over um, leading Athena's engineering team, generally. Uh, And I think that was, uh, for me, an interesting experience just because it was very abstract. It was very divorced from, I think, helping people or building things, and there was a lot of administration involved. Um, So it also was sort of useful to understand what size company I liked working at.
1: I I am just struck by your own journey in that you were working for a company trying to help doctors maximize fee-for-service to keep their business open, and now you're really doing something very different here, helping them try to maximize value-based care?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, as I said, I, I think in some ways they're very similar. Like, I think we're trying to help. I think you can cast back over my career, and I've been sort of constantly just trying to help doctors get their current problem under control. I think in a lot of ways I'm a, it's exciting that I'm the beneficiary of some policy changes so that I think we can feel like that's directly aligned with patient health in ways that perhaps it wasn't under
0: a fee-for-service uh, payment regime. Thinking back over your early stages coming out of college as a, a computer software uh, guru, uh, budding guru, um, what what was different about going into healthcare versus your classmates that may have gone into a more traditional software company?
2: Um, I think that the I often talk to people about healthcare as being a little bit of uh, a walled garden or maybe Australia. Um, so it's pretty big um, and in a lot of ways it looks like the things that are going on in the rest of the world. But there are a bunch of idiosyncrasies um, and you ignore those idiosyncrasies at, at your own peril. So I think that uh, a lot of people um, sort of show up and are, say, sort of are tempted to say, well, I'm gonna use all these techniques that I see in uh, consumer technology and I'm going to fix the problems mm. of healthcare. You know, I think we've seen a lot of people and companies uh, crash on on the reefs of thinking about healthcare in that way. Uh, healthcare has a bunch of barriers to entry, a bunch of things that um, get in your way that might not get in your way uh, in other industries. And I think that uh, when you sort of are conscious about that and pay those pay sort of the cost of understanding them and beginning to interact with them. You have a a huge potential to do good. And you have in some ways the advantage of, um, not having as much competition as you might in sort of the wide open space of consumer technology, for example, but you do need to be really thoughtful about the fact that privacy matters in healthcare in ways that it, um, sort of does not seem to matter in a lot of consumer technology, um, that, the underlying technology of healthcare has evolved much more slowly and idiosyncratically than the underlying uh, technology in a lot of other places. So you have to really show up with, a, I think, a learning mindset. There's a lot that you don't know. Um, and I think that's that's probably the biggest thing
1: that I've noticed. I love that Australia analogy. You know, when you think about what the healthcare system is, you know, is it, uh, is it capitalist? Is it Socialist, uh, you know what are the drivers? It's it's basically an egg-laying mammal that makes no sense at all and doesn't really fit well into anything else.
0: Yeah, I used to talk about it as one of Darwin's finches with the weird beaks. Mm-hmm. We have a pocket of devoted listeners in Australia, so I'm sure they'll be very happy <laughs> to get the, the first mention of oh, their huh. homeland on the ACO show. Shout out to their monotremes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, you know, I what I'm what's interesting when you describe the difference between. Um, let's say a, a more a, a straight software company or a more traditional software company in healthcare um, is that it pulls elements from many other software-empowered businesses, right? So regulated, maybe like a, a finance uh, software, um, but also uh, mission-driven, like something maybe in the educational space. Um, what I've seen interesting here is very young folks who have Crossover educational backgrounds, you know, so we had a an intern who was uh, a computer science and public health double major as an undergrad and uh, I was really blown away by that. And I think it's a really powerful combination Have you seen any of those trends where it's it's overlapping not at the first job stage, but maybe earlier and earlier? Yeah, I mean, I think that the reality
2: is that technology is much more a part of our day-to-day lives um, it feels sort of year to year, and so being technically literate uh, is, I think, appealing to, I, uh, I think, people in all walks of life. So I think if you have a primary interest in healthcare, understanding technology is a huge boost in a way that uh, it might not have been quite as central to that understanding twenty years ago. I think that's probably not unique to healthcare. I, I suspect you're you're seeing people blending technology with all sorts of things, uh, technology and fashion, technology and. Uh, any other subject I would guess is sort of more interesting or or more common these days than it was 20 years ago. But certainly I see it in healthcare. Yeah.
1: So you come from Athena, which is a much bigger place. What was it that was appealing about the move to Allidade for you? Was it something about what the company's doing or did you take a look under the technology hood and think, wow, I want to come do this?
2: So I think a couple of things. Like first, I think Uh, The shift in payment model makes a lot of sense to me. I think a lot of ex Athena alumni realized at a certain point that the level of impact that they could have working within a fee for service system was sort of capped. That you could improve things up to a certain point and then you were fighting against the basic economics of the system. And that really that there's a limit to what you can do when you're fighting about against the fundamentals of how a system is built. the fact that Allidate is working in uh, a value-based system, which I think basically feels like it has much more potential to align a lot of the, the outcomes we see as good in a healthcare system, so good for a doctor, good for the patient, good for society, um, was, was a huge part of why I'm interested in Allidate. I've always wanted to use technology to do a good thing, um, and Allidate seemed like a perfect place to try and, and use my expertise to do that. Um, the other thing that I frankly like a lot is I, I've talked uh, to a bunch of folks on my team about. Uh, it turns out I, I like sort of the adolescent um, or, or awkward teenage phase of companies. Uh, I've tried to work in a company which was you know sort of a, uh, infant stage where essentially they don't quite know what they're doing at all. They have not found a product that anybody wants yet, and I found that less uh, sort of a little discombobulating. And then, as I said, I've worked at Athena, you know, which was a quite large company that had a very, very sure opinion of what it was doing and, and was sort of finely calibrating screws while like, sort of dialing everything in and at the same time trying to figure out what the next thing was. Um, and, and I think Alad is an interesting point where we've done a bunch of interesting things and shown that they can succeed in a couple places with a lot of human intervention and a lot of, um, a lot of effort. Um, individual idiosyncratic effort, and I think that I'm excited about the process of taking these, I, these I this ability to succeed in sort of a unique new way and finding out how we can scale it, make it repeatable. Um, I think our technology is a lot like um, the business itself in that we have a couple of really strong, interesting pieces of how we look at data, particularly the data that uh, CMS provides to us. And then I think there's a bunch of stuff that is idiosyncratic and we have a huge opportunity to grow and make it better, more reliable, um, more effective.
0: It, it, this is a, an ongoing debate here at Allidate, but are we a tech company from your perspective or does that even matter?
2: So I would say sure. Um, <laughs> we're a tech company. Uh, and I think we're a lot of other kinds of companies as well.
1: That's so a good way to say
2: it. I, I think we're a service company, obviously. Um, I think that sort of these classifications are generally, uh, to me at least, largely are sort of quick shorthands so that you can signal to people, often um, investors of various kinds, what they should expect from your company. So how many people are you going to hire? What are your scaling characteristics going to look like? How much capital are you going to need to achieve a certain result? Um, And so I think that to some degree, this kind of labeling is helpful because it communicates, um, if someone thinks that you're a service company and you're not hiring any people, they're going to be confused about what's going on. And if they think you're a tech company and you're hiring a lot of people, they're going to be confused about what's going on. And if you say you're a tech services company, they have a better sense of what's going on. Um, but I think at the at the root level, I, most companies are quite nuanced. Um, and so this kind of... Uh, these kind of labels uh, are, are helpful, but but certainly not fully explanatory of what a company does or how it acts.
1: So Brady, what, what are your goals right now? What do you think we can be doing here to make doctors' lives easier, use our technology platform to make things better?
2: Well, I've already mentioned our data, so I think we have uh, a ton of data, and I think we've got huge opportunity to leverage it and turn it into actionable insight more quickly and more reliably. I think we're really... Um, we're at the beginning of a very, very deep vein of value uh, in terms of what we can uh, put quickly in front of people in terms of um, sort of information that they can actually act upon. We have uh, a huge opportunity to, for example, um, unify the information that we get from commercial payers and from HIEs and from Medicare into a a seamless uh, comprehensive view of the patient. Which is something that I think again we do sometimes very well and other times we particularly internally don't do as good a job with.
0: What about the way we organize our technology teams and talent here um, under your your crew how do you how do you envision that like what's your what's your strategy for managing your team? Well, I think that
2: um this is a place that I try and draw a lot of uh, inspiration from consumer technology, so I think that over the past sort of 20 years one of the things that's you know originally often coming out of silicon valley um this idea of agile software development agile product development teams um, having technology teams that are very very tightly connected to uh, product development teams to action to the subject matter experts who understand either the policy world or the world of um, day-to-day life at our practices very well um trying to make sure that the engineers are in some ways, not uh, protected and insulated from the company, but very, very deeply involved in it. Um, In some cases, uh, you know, you want your engineers to be closer to the subject matter experts or closer to your customers than they are necessarily to each other. Um, So I think sort of working to organize sort of small multidisciplinary um, and relatively independent teams has been the the guiding principle here.
0: And managing such a distributed workforce, is that um is that challenging is it you know is it uh, is there a lot of opportunity in that how do you view that so for folks who don't know
2: uh age at its core is very distributed because we have field teams in each of our aco markets but that does um that is carried over to a lot of uh sort of our more uh headquarters based teams so uh, even though outage sort of physically is in Bethesda Maryland i, I think about it third of my team could drive to the office on any given day, but on average, I think there are probably about three of us here on any given day. I, and so actually that was one of my big hesitations taking this job. One of the first things I said to Edwin when he was recruiting me was I never worked in a world that is so distributed and I'm not sure what that's going to be like. Um, I found it uh, actually incredibly uh, powerful as a way of working. Um, both because it enables us to find great people in all kinds of places. Um, You know, I think that we've got great people in Idaho. um, We've got great people in New Mexico. We've got great people in upstate New York. We have great people sort of all over the country. Um, And I think that as someone who grew up at Athena, sort of trying to build, spending a lot of time saying, like, you can do great technology work in Boston, Massachusetts. You don't need to be in Silicon Valley. We have... Bright, amazing people here. This feels like the logical evolution of that, which is to say, like in fact, there are great, there are bright people everywhere who want to help make American healthcare better. And I think this distributed approach is, like enables us to actually go out and find those people.
1: Now, we've all heard Edwin Miller say that a lot of times the reason software succeeds or doesn't isn't about the product, but about how people work together. That it comes down to human resources issues and cooperation. How do you think about that for yourself and about CTOs in general? You know, you get a a tech training background and then suddenly you're dealing with lots of HR issues and personalities. How how do you think about it?
2: Um, I think the people management skills are, um, not that different in engineering than they are in most places. I I think they, there are a couple core concepts that you pay a lot of attention to and gradually get better and better and at and realize they're sort of go deeper and deeper. Um, like, I, I think that if you were going to get down to the the heart of it, uh, I think it's that you have to pay attention to uh, to people. You have to make sure that they understand what they're doing and why. Um, you have to ask a lot of them, but not too much. Um, and I think that as you understand more and more, as you try and do that over and over again, you, you start to, to realize how complicated those basic ideas really are. I think that's true in a technology uh Leadership role as, as much
0: as it as it is in any other role And are we growing now in the tech team at Allidade? Yes, I think we are always growing in the tech team at Allidade So that's a that's a pitch for checking out our jobs page But also how do you think about that growth? Do we have a technical recruiter? Do we have? Uh, you know particular skills that we're looking for I, I'm the side note to this is I found a lot of people um, really across the country uh, who listen to this show for various reasons and a lot of the folks that listen to it are interested in Alidaid as a place to work down the road. So, um, you know, how do you think about on your team that growth and all those new folks who might be coming in the door? Um, so
2: one of the things I'm excited that uh, the Tech Recruiter can help us do is just sort of spread our brand more broadly. I think that Allidade, um at least for me, feels like a story that sells itself um, to a large swath of people. But as... Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of messages out there on the airwaves these days. Um, So I think it's, it's useful to get our message out in front of uh, more and more people that if you're, if you are someone who is gifted at technology and are interested in using that to help uh, change America's healthcare system for the better, this is a great place to work. And as I said before, it doesn't really matter where you are. um, You can help.
0: And we, we, touched on your experience in the EHR world. Um, Do you find that that's what you're looking for, EHR experience, or is it more of a broader software experience? As I said, I think that fundamentally
2: healthcare um, requires a learning mindset. Uh, And so I welcome healthcare experience on the team. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that that you need to wrap your head around before you can be uh, hyper effective as a healthcare technologist. At the same time, I've uh, I came in knowing into healthcare, knowing nothing about technology, and I think it would be sort of arrogant of me to assume that I'm the only person who can transform that into a lifelong interest. Um, so I think I'm, I would say I'm looking for engineers um, from all backgrounds. I think that what's most interest or most important is alignment to this idea of helping people um, and helping physicians.
1: What trends do you see coming in the healthcare space? Are there are there things that you're you're following? I know Joe every morning wakes up and reads about blockchain. <laughs> what are, what, are, what are you following? Blockchain could be your answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think
2: what's what's always what's most interesting to me in, in healthcare continues to um, to be the data, and so I think that as um, which at least in our space is uh, heavily influenced by what the government is doing. So it's interesting to, as a technologist, spend as much time as I do um, watching sort of the the slow grind of government progress. Um, there's some interesting work that's happening around um, the blue button project and disseminating the data that uh, the government has there in various ways that we're paying pretty close attention to. I think there's a uh, gradual, uh, sort of gradually putting teeth behind uh, the fire standard, which I think has great promise around making uh, lowering some of the barriers to entry in healthcare, and I think we're pretty excited about that as well. Uh, sort of a fun fact about I uh, to get a little bit nerdy for a second, is we receive a huge portion of our data in, in a format called the CCLF, or, or claims and claim line feed file, which I think... Uh, Reverse engineering it by its behavior, I would say, is running on a, a set of databases that might be of a 1970s vintage. Um, so I think a lot of uh, healthcare is actually comes from the fact that uh, the data has a tendency to be um, the data systems tend to be uh, quite old in a lot of cases, um, quite um, quite unstandardized or, or uh, colloquially dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a human, there's sort of a tremendous amount of value there, but I think there's also a tremendous amount of refinement um, that's necessary to actually get to that value. You have, you have to do a lot of sifting through dross to actually get to useful data, um, which is a, at some level, a, a not that interesting comment. I think anyone who's tried to do something with healthcare data has run into these problems. And therefore, uh, there's a lot of conversation in the industry and, and in the government about what we can do to make that easier to remove that burden. Um, and I think that the fire standard is sort of the latest. Um, well, actually, at this point, it's probably about f- at least five years old. Um, but I think the the current uh, hypothesis about how we're going to make that easier, how we're going to lower some of the barriers of entry um, to
0: getting healthcare data and doing something useful with it. Do you think the uh, speed at which things are taken up, either from the government or within healthcare in general, um, has impacted the speed at which the technology diffusion happens, like you just referenced fire as a standard, and in another industry, something that has the potential to be so impactful in terms of developing new companies and new ways of looking at all the healthcare data that exists out there, um, I feel like it would diffuse quicker than it does in healthcare. Um, can you talk about that corrective factor for something that like healthcare that slows down the the diffusion of that kind of technology? I think there's probably
2: two things going on at least. Uh, So, so one is that healthcare is a pretty, um, there are a lot of parties involved. Uh, and so when, and each party has the ability to slow things down quite a bit if they don't like where it's going, or even if they're just not paying a lot of attention to it. So, um, so it's very difficult to act alone in healthcare. So I think one of the things that you see in consumer technologies is you have a lot of companies that have a lot of ability to sort of make their pitches directly to a consumer. And so th- there is a fairly small, you know, there's a sort of one-to-one interaction that we're looking at there. Whereas in healthcare, you're typically talking about at least a payer, a doctor, and a patient. Um, and often there are other parties involved as well. And so, uh, so that's one thing that I think just tends to make the system quite slow. I think the other uh, aspect of it is, I think, particularly as you get closer to uh, to treatment, um, there's a real conservatism on the part of the medical community, which I think is you know, sort of there for pretty good reasons, um, about how how you think about change and how you think about making sure that change is good change. Um and I think that if you look at the pace of technology, um, evolution in other places, they're simply not dealing with that sort of um, rigorous scientific approach to is this good or bad. There's a lot of, you know, the, I think if you imagine Facebook's model of going fast and breaking things um, and then applying it to healthcare, most people
0: would feel like that was some impedance mismatch there. Sure. So I think that's another factor that comes into play. So Josh and I uh, sometimes bring in our own clinical backgrounds here, uh, but I we've both seen the rise of EHR technology in clinical settings as well as other technologies that have made their way in. How has that looked from your end, from the early stages at a, a one of the biggest players in the EHR industry now to a new um, a new emerging company? Um, how would you view the evolution of uh, physician? Uh, engagement with technology. So I think that that runs a, a tremendous gamut from
2: uh, people who really see the computer um, or or most forms of technology as essentially a an unwelcome alien party in their exam room, the thing that gets between them and and the patient that they're trying to um, sort of trying to interact with, to people who are very very deep in the technology, just super excited about what it might be able to do. Um, I've met plenty of uh, physicians who have taught themselves how to code. And I think that at some level actually is, is less age dependent than you might expect. I do think that, you know, this is a, a truism. And I think this probably comes back a little bit to the, um, to the point of, of, there being a lot of involved uh, parties, a lot of parties involved in, in deciding how technology gets introduced to physicians uh, because I think it's important to remember that when, um, when meaningful use became a thing that EHR penetration was in the high teens. So if you look at the number of, uh, of physicians who chose to who, who brought an EHR into their office because they thought it helped them, um, it was a relatively low number. And again, that was in the early 2000s, so I think that, well, uh, late 2000s. I, and I think that um, technology has advanced since then, but at the same time, I think it's important to understand that a lot of um, physicians' offices have EHRs, not because the physician thinks that it helps them be a better physician in the um, uh, um, individual patient interaction, but because um, there have been some financial incentives or because they believe that it sort of lifts the state of the profession overall, that it makes things better. For everybody um and they're uh, willing to be good citizens and grit their teeth and, and learn um i don't think we've really hit the iphone of ehrs which is again i think um, a pretty obvious statement uh, and i think that that's still possible um but i think there's still a huge amount of work to be done i think that if you removed these sort of altruistic and regulatory factors EHR penetration might be at 25% mm-hmm. now. Uh, we haven't seen that innovation that makes it, uh, the, that has it kind of come up the iPhone ramp where you're like, all of a sudden you're talking about 5% of people don't have any EHR because it doesn't make any sense to not have an EHR.
1: Yeah. If you think about sort of keeping things because they bring joy, right? The EHR would not be among those things for, for most doctors still. Right.
2: Yeah, um, And I think that's a, it's a good thing to keep our, an eye on as a, as an, engineer i think there's a temptation to think that technology is is always good um and i think remembering um to to sort of double check against like okay if you removed a lot of these other factors like is this technology something that would be bringing joy um that would be making people feel like their day was flowing better because it was part of it
0: that's a good thing for us to keep remembering well it's certainly important to us here and we appreciate all the, the work you've been doing so thanks for joining us today brady it's been a pleasure